Welcome to another hey. edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. Thanks I'm Joe so Patrice. Much. Yeah, no, but that. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 you, you, you welcomed me and I responded in kind. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm Joe Patrice from Bud the Law. I am joined nice to by meet Chris. You. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm joined by Chris Williams and uh, uh, Catherine. Is that is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Catherine Rubino. Yeah. Yes, it is. Joe Patrice. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was Patrice this whole time. <laughs> we are here to discuss some of the big stories in the legal industry of the last week uh, and, you know, hopefully have some fun nuggets to drop along the way. But first, we will begin, as we always do, by having a little ease you into the conversation by not jumping all the way into the heavy legal talk and have a little bit of small talk. Small talk. All right. So, uh, small talk. Uh, I am still recovering from an illness, so I'm not. That doesn't feeling sound my like best. fun. It does not. It, mm. it does not feel very fun. I've renewed my lifelong relationship with Nyquil, uh, <laughs> which has always been there for me and continues. Uh, maybe th has anybody reached out to see if they're willing to sponsor the show? Because uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So I'm. So I have a quick recommendation. Oh yeah. This might be outside of your musical wheelhouse, but the next time you pour out some NyQuil, I need you to play Codeine Crazy by Future. Mm, nice. You know? Yeah. I mean, there there is not Codeine in NyQuil, <laughs> but fair enough. Well, you have the uh, wrong NyQuil plug. No. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'm not feeling the best. Uh, how's everybody else doing? I mean, I am 39 weeks pregnant, so that's how I feel. I feel okay. that is descriptive in and of itself. So, uh... So not going to be on next week's show is what you're thinking. <laughs> that, that is the plan. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, fair enough. We'll, we'll hold down the fort without you. So, yeah. Anything else? Anybody? Well, I'm doing phenomenal. Um, oh, good. Well, that's I, super. Yeah. Good. One, one out of three ain't bad. Yeah, you yeah. know, I was like, I knew y'all were having shitty weeks. I figured I should live it up a little bit, carry the nice. social load. You know, it's yeah. because I care. <laughs> I did a, a cycling trip in Cambodia. I saw some of the... Um, Saw some uh, some fields, saw people growing um, taro, which Ooh. is usually just a flavor that I get when I get bubble tea. It's like this purple right, thing. Right, right, right. But like seeing the actual root of it, I was like, oh, that looks disgusting. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a tuber. I found it out today. Would not have expected mm -hmm. that. And then earlier today, I went to a spin class because it, um, you know, it's it's. It's only felt like two years since I've been on a bike, but af after cycling, you absolutely would need a spin class. Yeah, you know, I figured just double down on the pain. You know, yeah. I gotta, there's a thing where it's like, well, growing up, I always thought like pirates talking about sea legs. That sounds dumb. But then after doing cycling, I was like, I got like bike butt. And now it just mm. makes total sense. Like I miss, I didn't have calluses on my ass, but I guess it was just like a spiritual padding that went away. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I, hopefully I can like, you know, pedal back to it. Nice. So with all of our showing a little bit of personality aside, let's uh, get into the real meat of the discussion. Uh, the story that we continue to wish would go away, but seems as though it never will. Uh, since the last time we talked about it, uh, there have been more Clarence Thomas ethics scandals. Jeepers, oh like literally, this is maybe our longest running story on this show. 
I, I, I was thinking that, actually. I, I haven't gone back to calculate whether or not we had to talk about Yale's stupid FedSoc-inspired uh, mm -hmm. free speech crisis nonsense or this. But I think it's got to be this because they keep on being new things, not yeah. just like, mm. oh, well, more people are talking about it which was a lot of the Yale thing, which is kind of new parties wading into the existing controversy. Whereas this time it's literally seems like every other day we wake up and there's more data, there's more information, there's more revelations. Someone else is trying to, you know, turn the screws on Clarence Thomas. So let's, let's, take a step back and and just catch folks up. So I believe the last episode where we talked about this, we already had the half million dollars in vacations and payments yeah, like that. Was that. that was early. Mm -hmm. Right, yes. And we'd already had the billionaire buys his uh, Clarence Thomas's mom's house and lets her live there mm -hmm. rent-free right. while improving it. Right, uh, as so a friend those, does. As as friends do, uh, and all of that happening while not being disclosed, and while the billionaires' organizations had business in front of the court. Mm -hmm. So, and Thomas had already said at this point that he just didn't know that you needed to disclose that stuff, and some friends of his had told him that it was okay. I believe that's where we left things as far as this show's coverage. Uh, what has happened since? There's yeah. a couple of things. Yeah, not just there are, there are yeah. a few. Yes. Uh, <laughs> let me go ahead, people. Uh, any of we you? also found out that Clarence Thomas's grand nephew that he and Ginny Thomas are raising, quote, as a son are raised. He's now in his 30s, uh, got uh, his tuition paid for by one Harlan Crow. OK, so the same super friend mm -hmm. uh, was also paying. Maybe we all have a friend like tuition. Harlan Crow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Except you listening judges. <laughs> yeah. So so that's happening. So that's the only thing. Surely that's the only thing that happened. LOL. Okay. So not the only ethical thing that happened. So what else has happened? We also, there was more revelations that Leonard Leo, who was, you know, of Fed Sock fame or infamy, as the case may be, also directed uh, additional payments to Ginny Thomas for her advocacy work for matters that were shortly to be before the court. And in that paper, in that effort, specifically directed to leave off any mention of Ginny Thomas. So, so what happens here is that the former executive director of the Federalist Society was paying Ginny Thomas for a, a consulting work, but wanted it not to be noticeable right. that he was doing this. So he said no mention of Ginny, of course, and funneled these payments through a random pollster who happened to be Kellyanne Conway. So, okay. So now we've got Kellyanne Conway as a bag man in yep. between mm -hmm. the head of the Federalist Society and giving money under the table to Ginny Thomas. Can I also that was just not say, like, you know, just in terms of comedy factor, creating a paper trail in an effort to not create a paper trail is really, that's a high level of difficulty. Fair enough. So, all right. So, uh, before that, we get deeper, before yeah. we get deeper in the weeds, I just have a explain to me like I'm five question. So, yeah. can we call it bribery yet, or are is everybody still buying the friend excuse? Well, I mean, so, the friend defense, the friend defense. Well, so so nothing here is 
I don't think anything here is it's bribery to yeah. the extent that Clarence Thomas okay. is going to rule in all these people's favor anyway. Uh, okay. What what we have here, though, is some degree of politely referred to as something more like graft. Uh, we, we've got... <laughs> Ethics problems. Yes, still Um, ethics problems. We have disclosure violations. We have disclosure violations, which are the most important aspect of this, because while you can't remove a justice from the Supreme Court without impeaching them, which uh, I can... It's not happened. I can count the House members and the number of senators involved, and that's not happening. Uh, It is still, however, a at least a civilly pursuable crime to for a government official to screw up their financial disclosures. Mm-hmm. So if you have a situation where somebody has failed to disclose something they're legally required to disclose and they've done this in a willful manner, it's a $50,000 for the right. violation. Although, uh, I imagine that willful standard is going to be what folks grapple right. with moving so, forward. Which, right. So we already have had Thomas's excuse for all of this is that he had been told by, you know, his he, has, he has friends. He's friends. Uh, Told him don't 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 write that down. Friends who told him he didn't have to, so therefore it, it means that he didn't willfully do this. Uh, so surely that is all that's happened since the last time we talked about this, right? Dun dun dun. It is not the only thing that's happened <laughs> since then. So na- the the following up on all of this, now we have learned that in 2012 there was a complaint raised by a federal judge with the Judicial Conference of the United States, which is the entity that is supposed to investigate these issues. And this complaint was about the fact that the year before, there had been reports raised with the Financial Disclosures Committee of the Judicial Conference that Clarence Thomas was not reporting Ginny Thomas income that she was making. Mm -hmm. This becomes very relevant. So given that failure to disclose, Thomas was investigated by the Financial Disclosures Committee, who then didn't report the results of that investigation up to the rest of the Judicial well, Conference. That doesn't seem great. By ju- and yes, and so this was only discovered by one federal judge who was on the committee, or not on the committee, but on the at the Judicial Judicial Conference at large because he was the chief judge of the district at the time, and he raised a compl- several complaints and protests with the committee saying, you don't get to just say you're blowing off this investigation. You have to report the results to the rest of the conference. He wasn't even he wasn't even like going after Thomas. He's just like propriety requires you to report. Uh, and they said they didn't have to report because they decided it wasn't willful. So as of 2012. So as of over a decade ago. Clarence Thomas was told that you have to report Jenny Thomas's at least report Jenny Thomas's income that she's getting, and that he was allowed to skate on that failure on, under the argument that he didn't know any better. Meaning, from my perspective, that would seem to mean that he cannot, eleven years later, make the argument that he didn't know he was supposed to report it if he already has used the excuse. I didn't know I had to report it, and that was his reason he didn't get slammed back then. Wait, this so is a Dave think- Chappelle bit. <laughs> so, I think, there yes. was, I think there was a stand-up. I think it might have been killing him softly. Dave Chappelle says that there was a white guy and his black friend driving down. Driving down, White guy gets pulled over by the police, tells him he was speeding. White guy says, oh, I didn't know I can do that. Drives off. Black guy in the passenger seat is shocked. Didn't know you can do that? White guy's like, that's the thing. I knew the entire time. <laughs> Yeah. You know. uh, so that so anyway, so this uh, so this this is yeah. 
No, I was just going to no. say that uh, it, it is interesting, and there is a slight difference, I suppose, in money that Ginny Thomas gets and may or may not have to report as a member of Clarence Thomas's household and the direct gifts that Clarence Thomas is receiving from Harlan Crow, whether they be um, tuition payments, luxury vacations, or a free house for his mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... There's also a timing issue. Uh, so putting aside the willfulness, how this complicates any any willfulness defense, mm-hmm. uh, there's a timing issue that's a little curious because the issue that had brought this to the Judicial Conference in 2011, which then led to the judges' complaints being lodged in 2012, mm-hmm. the issue in 2011 was that Clarence Thomas had not reported Ginny's income. This is important because that Leonard Leo right. rev- was revelation was in 2012. Right. 2012 was when Leonard Leo was like, no mention of Ginny. So, so in 2012, after Thomas has been put you know, on notice that this is a problem, it is the year later that the response of the conservative legal movement is to try to just hide pay the money. people just hide the money. hidden, yes, yeah. under the table. I mean, this is a this is a wild series of revelations and wild partially because it's taken so long to unravel and also partially uh, to back to what you said earlier about creating a paper trail how completely terribly they Mm -hmm. did this like this is comically although it took over a decade for it to come out so maybe that was enough because now we have a completely spineless congress that won't do anything about it so maybe they waited just long enough i mean well put aside the the congress at this point the judicial conference the spotlight now has to be on the judicial conference, given that they didn't do anything 11 years ago. And given that their reasoning then was, we assume he didn't know any better. They now don't really have any excuse not to refer this matter. And the, the proper procedure is that if they have reason to believe that he did, he knew better and then didn't re, uh, disclose this information, they are supposed to refer this matter to the attorney general's mm-hmm. office. So Merrick Garland should be getting a message from the judicial conference to begin an investigation and prosecution, a uh, civil case, but of these claims. Will that happen? I mean, I'm certainly skeptical. I'm skeptical about everything at this point. I don't think anything will be done. And I think that that kind of just proves the utter impotency of our system. Yeah. Impotency. Is that a word? Yeah, I guess it, it is. is. Why wouldn't it yeah, be? It is. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's right. I just, I don't know. Like I just, in my head, I was just like the, the, the impotence of the system, but yeah, I guess it would be impotency. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I believe, I believe yeah. word. you certainly know what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we've got a real bad system, folks. Yeah, real bad. Well, and we yeah. So but this this does at least take it slightly out of the hands, uh, theoretically, of Congress doing anything to the judicial conference now, because they it's it's real hard for them to get out of it, given mm-hmm. what's the revelation uh, that this story was broken by Bloomberg. Uh, Zoe Tillman over there broke this uh, right, bef- you know, right at the end of the week last week. And yeah, now now yeah, and, the spotlight's on them. I mean, the the sort of minorly hopeful point in that story is that, you know, it was a Reagan appointee, right? Mm. Judge Wolf, yeah. who was really upset about it not being reported. And I do think that there is a certain extent to which these ethics issues are sort of nonpartisan, at least in 
sort or of true believers, be. it, or they, they definitely should be. Okay, one definitely should be. I think that there are plenty of judges currently on the federal bench who believe that. Yeah. It's a matter of finding them. Yeah. I'll give you a hint. They were not appointed by Trump. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I'm not sure. I don't know as though you can paint that brush completely, but uh, certainly there are a lot of them that that wouldn't care as much about that. But uh, have but we yeah. had any Supreme Court justices that have been sued civilly over things that happened while they were on the court? I, I mean, not that I know of. I mean, like the so the the most the most high profile ethics scandal of this nature Fortis, was right? Abe Fortas stepping down. Uh, and that was a situation where he actively, you know, he took the initiative to step down to protect the court's reputation. Yeah, we use good old fashioned shame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and the, the really ridiculous thing is I'm not like, as the years go by, I'm not altogether sure everything he did wasn't all that bad, but still, I think that's just, that, that, that just suffers by comparison. Right? Exactly. It's not, oh yeah. It's not no, it I totally good. agree. Yeah. It, it, it really I mean, gives. Yeah. yeah. If Abe Fortas were here, yeah. We would be, yeah. Yeah. Calidus AI cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues. Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. Handle complexity confidently with Legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found. Okay, so let's talk about a law firm that is uh, not had the best week. Yeah, Louis Brisboy uh, is losing over 120 attorneys. Yeah. Okay, so the first, uh, I will give you sort of my perspective. Okay. Uh, our colleague Stacey Zareski uh, broke this story. Over 100 and some odd lawyers are, are leaving the big law firm to um, uh, go to a boutique. And I thought this was going to be really terrible for the firm, et cetera. And it's not great, but they have 1,700 attorneys. Yes. Yeah, it is a very big firm. This is not like a significant percentage of the attorneys at the firm. It it is a big firm. That is fair. But, uh, you know, it's, it is a firm that this this is a this is a real kick though. Uh, it is a firm that is Calif- California is its home base. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where they are losing this labor and employment, massive amount of labor and employment attorneys. John Bar- uh, Barber had left. Uh, Barbara Renan is the new firm that's focusing on this. They have left uh, this. The fallout of this has been that the the chair and co-founder has now stepped down. 
mm. to, you know, over all of this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that probably signals how big a deal the firm does consider it. And, and I think you're right in that sense that the chair felt it was, you know, necessary to fall on their sword over it. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, there there's continuing fallout. I, I did see that there's new reports of profitability problems. Sure. There's a practice there's some rate issues. So it, it it looks like there were some financial problems that uh, need to be cleared up and that that probably is what motivated a lot of this. Sure. But, you know, it, it speaks to, in a, in a world in which we are talking a lot about, uh, how do I put this? Uh, we're talking a lot about this fear of, fear of recession uh, that people are continuing to wax about and concerns that, you know, layoffs are going to happen and so on. We just saw a bunch of people leave the relative safety of a large firm to strike out and create a fairly, a firm that more, it's almost safe to say they, they skipped the whole boutique phase that are moving directly into being their own kind of big law firm. And it, in comments that the founder, uh, Barbara, gave, uh, they they look to continue to expand even after this. Sure. Uh, I mean, I will say, though, you, you know, despite the kind of comments that we've heard mm -hmm. in the press about profitability and concerns that folks had about Lewis Brisboy, I, I will say it's still, you know, the AMLAW 100 numbers have come out for last year. Still a firm ranked in the top 100. I think they fell slightly from... 60, 66 to 70, mm. not, not a big tumble, wouldn't, wouldn't call it a tumble. So, you know, it's still a profitable firm by a lot of measures, but there are obviously some internal disputes there. Yeah. It's wild that you can lose like 8% of your people and still be that big. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, look, it, it, they do have a lot of folks. They have a lot of offices. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's really a question of like how critical is, because, you can have a lot of offices and a lot of people and they, you know, not, a, not all partnerships are, are made equal. Sure. Uh, and how much are, th is this labor employment practice of basically up and down the West coast matter to the core of what mm -hmm. Louis Brisbois is doing, you know? Uh, and that's what we're going to find out. And obviously this uh, now signal, this is going to trigger an instance where, I think the first order of business of the leadership now is to find some labor and employment groups. Sure. Uh, and so, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be because they're going to need to shore that up and try to hold on to as much business as they can uh, in that area. All right. So closing us out today, Chris, you covered a, a, a new, a, a new law that uh, the folks in Florida were pushing, but, while it had general government, uh, general political overtones, you kind of zeroed in on there are some legal industry aspects to the latest DeSantis laws. Yeah. So there was a part of the law that specifically targeted DACA uh, attorneys saying, I think it kicks in going off memory. I want to say like 2025 or so. Well, well, wait. Well, just step back. What it does is it's a it's a law that they passed in, as an attempt to lash out right, an anti-immigration law that's mm -hmm. lashing out, saying that people who have who are in the United States uh, by virtue of the DACA protections, so children, uh, you know, who came to the country without, you know, 
not not of their free will necessarily, but were brought here undocumented and have, you know, worked their way through the DACA program. It says that those folks aren't allowed to get professional like get licenses or work in the state of Florida. And part of that then is the legal aspect. So go with so go forward from that. I, I was just providing more overarching context. Context. Yeah. context. Okay. So are you not saying the part where it's like lawyers who that, that's, well, your that, that's, that's your story. <laughs> that's your story. The, yeah, the yeah. law, the law is general. I'm giving yes. that context so people know yes, that. Yes. Yes. Then the part that you actually zeroed in on that makes your story interesting is that there's a lawyer thing. Yeah. I thought that's what I was saying. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was confused for a second. Yeah. So I, I wish I wish the viewers could see the frustration. Anyway, so that happened. That happened. Would you Would you like to Would you like to see what happened, Joe? No, you do. That's what you're here for. <laughs> I don't want to say it wrong. I don't want to say it wrong. No. So Ron DeSantis doing a ploy to get popularity. Says he wants to do a presidential run, you know, because he has to have something in the back pocket to beat Trump. Um, he's like, you know how like Republicans have this go hard on crime thing, which like lapses into being hard on immigrants. That's basically what's happening here. Um, so, you know, like there's a there's a there lawyers who went through the suffering of, you know, going through tort and contract law and all that BS that we all have to do. They're highly qualified. And by virtue of being here under DACA, they're like, nah, you can't work here. And it's it's ridiculous because it's happening at a time when Florida's in need of lawyers. <laughs> you think they wouldn't we wouldn't like they wouldn't cut out an entire class of capable attorneys because somebody might want to do a presidential run. Um it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. It and the the basic like the, the like this law is fairly sweeping. I mean, they, it says that they they're not even going to honor driver's licenses issued in other states. Uh, good good luck with the full faith and credit uh, issue right. there. But but yeah, no, it it we already have a problem with licensing regimes across this country anyway. Uh, now this attempt to try and say that people who have already fulfilled all of the pre-existing requirements not be allowed to have their license, which is how this seems to read. It's difficult to understand how you can retroactively do what take away somebody's license that way. Uh, that seems very ex post facto. Uh, if your argument is just that you're not letting people do this go forward, that I guess kind of works, but then it raises questions what happens when they get licensed in states that have reciprocity with Florida, are they not going to honor that? Uh, that seems right. like an equal protection problem. Uh, it's real difficult to see how they get get around this in any kind of legal way. Not that, as you pointed out, it really matters. Uh, it's not like DeSantis is doing this as a policy matter as much as a signaling matter. Well, right. Is, and is pissing listen, off this, Disney not enough? Yeah, right. I mean, right. That's exactly what I was going to say. He's not doing things for the benefit of Floridians. Otherwise, he wouldn't be going for one of the largest employers in the state. Right. Yeah. He's already he's already signaled he doesn't care about Floridians. He cares about his own personal nationwide reputation and his ability to run for a nationwide office, which, you know, has its own problems. Yeah, I, I will say I did. Uh, I did see earlier just a. Uh, just a few minutes ago, I saw somebody say that the Wall Street Journal has now come out against DeSantis, calling him uh, weak. And yeah, it strikes me as though if you've once you've lost them, uh, you've certainly lost that Trump alternative uh, mouthpiece. Yeah, yeah, that's but, wild. 
they were supporting yeah. uh, Clarence after his 20 years of law breaking. So for them to be yeah. like, nah, DeSantis is not enough. That's wild. Yeah. But no, that is something to be wor- uh, looking at. And it's also something that has broader implications, too, because while DeSantis may uh, be floundering in his own presidential ambitions, this seems troublingly like a blueprint for somebody who is trying to shore sure. up mm-hmm. what they're try- what they want to do. And so these sorts of restri- future restrictions on folks who have actually gone through the legal process to be licensed uh, does matter. I don't know if this is anybody else, but whenever I see like Trump and like say Ron DeSantis or whoever like is trying to appeal to the alt-right and like religious zealots, I just think about Mitt Romney. I hope he's doing well. You know, like he seems to have, you know, he seems to have some common sense, you know, and it's like, ugh, good old Mitt. That's how bad, that's how quickly things have gotten super bad is that we <laughs> long for the days of Mitt Romney. <laughs> You remember people people started to wonder Republican what um, standard bearer. Right. People started to wonder what uh George Bush was doing at parts of the Trump presidency. The the young the form the younger one, yeah. you know. Right, 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 right. It is an ongoing struggle to figure out where where the bottom is. Uh we'll see. We'll get there. <laughs> Will we? Uh I don't if know. not, we've uh, got shovels. Yeah. Speaking of DeSantis and Disney, just kind of as a random aside, did anybody see that they their latest assault on that is they're going to try to not nationalize whatever the state equivalent of statetize the monorail mm-hmm. at Disney World? Jesus. Which is what? safer and gets more uh, inspections than yeah. actual state transportation. Yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah. going to try to seize control of the monorail as an effort. It just, you know, First of all, like, monorail... Yeah certainly has the tradition of being the like epitome of Disney transpo. But now that the Skyliner is back at Disney world, that's not even the coolness anymore. Yeah. But it, but it doesn't go to as many places. So you've got to, well, it goes to as many parks, mm. right? Because you can get to both right. Hollywood studios and Epcot by Skyliner. And I think that's two different sets of hotels. It goes to versus right. the three, but they're all the deluxe. Whereas the Skyliner has um, a moderate and a, Okay, yeah. you don't care. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I, I, I will right. say it because I, I, it is it is hard for me to to miss out on a chance to slander St. Louis. Disney has a better transit system than some states. Yeah, correct. That's wild. Like I correct. will take the monorail over, you know, light rail, whatever, whatever St. Louis has. I try to repress most of it, but I stand by <laughs> it. I stand I, by uh, it. I mean, uh, and it could have been even, it could have been better. I gather, I, I saw something a few years ago that Walt Disney actually offered the state of Florida that he would just build the monorail to the city so that you can go directly from Orlando in and like he would replace their whole public transit system there with monorails and they said no. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, that wound up probably being for the best for Walt Disney Corporation because right. now they have a small army of different hotel options, yeah, uh, which is a benefit to staying on Disney property yeah. versus off properties. You have I guess, all these transpo. I guess, uh, but it also would have made it much easier to statize. Not that it seems like they have any, any blockades to it now. All right. Well, anyway, that will conclude this weird, weirdly Disney focused podcast. There. The end. Just, yeah. I mean, but it got way, way more into the weeds than anybody cares about. Uh, so we'll uh, conclude for now. 
and say uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. You should subscribe to the show, get new episodes when they come out. You should leave reviews, stars, write something. It helps. You should be listening to other shows uh, on the Legal Talk Network. You can check out The Jabot, a show that Catherine hosts. You can check out the Legal Tech Week Journalist Roundtable, which I'm a panelist on. You can follow above the law and read all of the stories that we write these and others and hear about them before we talk about them uh you can follow us on social media the blog is at atl blog on twitter i'm at joseph patrice Catherine's at Catherine one which is the numeral one chris is at rights for rent which is rights as in put pen to paper not legal rights and you should be uh you know what else? Anything else? No, I think I did that. Yeah, I did that out of order. So I think we're done. Bye. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.